You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Well, I hope you all enjoyed Christmas. Um, this is going to be the last ser- sermon this year that you're going to hear on Christmas. So I know some people were working, so it was maybe a different kind of, of, of Christmas you were having. And some have been with family here. I think most people have been with family. Um, so here or further afield. And we know that some are still away, so we're a bit depleted in numbers this morning. But you know, for, Chris, for, for some people, Christmas is a really, really hard, difficult time. Um, and that can be for a huge number of reasons. So I know we've still got all our decorations up in church, um, but I would like to just draw your minds away this morning from all the bling and the glitter and everything that surrounds a modern day Christmas. And I want us to focus on the Christ who is regardless of what the world might say, the center of this Christian festival just passed. The New Testament gives us um, a, a real meaning, of course, about what Christmas is. And we go, to the, we go to the New Testament and we find that we have the story in so many different forms. So Matthew starts it off and he writes of Christ the King. And as he starts his gospel, he is writing about Christ the King following that royal line right from Abraham and King David and seeing that he is a descendant of King David. And he's a descendant on both sides, on Mary's side and on Joseph's side. He shows the Jewish line of descent of our Lord. And then we've got Luke's gospel, and it takes us down another avenue because Luke wants us to recognize that Jesus was the son of man. He wasn't born in a palace, very deliberately, but he was born in a stable, laid in an animal's feeding trough, and worshipped by very ordinary people. And then we've got John again coming from yet another angle. He doesn't tell of the birth He tells us of deity. So he doesn't concentrate on what was happening in that stable. He says the word became flesh and lived among men. Now that is amazing, isn't it? He doesn't tell anything about the stable. That's not his purpose. He tells us of God giving his son clothed in flesh. I've not sung this year my favorite carol of all time, which is, or the verse in it says, Clothed in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. We, we, we also sing, he laid aside his majesty, gave up everything for me. And that was God becoming man. And then we've got Paul. Don't you just love Paul? I am so looking forward to meeting Paul in heaven. I have so many questions that I want to ask him. But he comes and he puts Christmas into one rich revelation. And I'm going to read one of those rich revelations. It's in Philippians 2. And I'm going to read from um, verse 6. Although you'll know that this is Paul saying that our attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. So he's talking about Christ Jesus. And he says, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, 
taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, this is Jesus. This is God coming down to earth. And being that I've only been given 15 minutes this morning, and some people are thinking that I will not manage that, but I will. So I want you to just pay careful attention to that. I want you to go back later and read this again and look at that passage, just six verses. The first three verses give us seven downward steps. Christ coming and totally identifying himself with humanity. He gave himself completely, entirely. He went from equality with God to equality with a thief in those three verses. And he did it knowingly. It didn't, wasn't something that was just sprung on him. He did it knowingly. This man who walked the dusty roads of Palestine and died on a cross just outside Jerusalem is now seated firmly in, on the throne of the universe, crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. There's far too much in these verses for a short message this morning. Not digging any more about that. So I'm just concentrating on one verse. I'm back, see? Verse 9. Um, but as I read it again, please remember that there is a cost to Christmas. And I don't just mean, you know, your bank balance. I know it's been a hard time. Um, but but it's, there is a real cost to the real Christmas. And that is to the Saviour who left his riches behind and became poor so that we might become rich with the riches of eternal life in a heavenly home. So verse 9 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. So he is the rich man, poor man, in my title this morning. And I've got three short points I want to bring you um, and just I would like you to remember. The first is, what did Jesus Christ lay aside when he became poor? What did he give up? when he became poor for us? And the second reason is why? Why? Second question, sorry, is why did he become poor? And thirdly, what does our Savior give to poor sinners like us to make us then rich? So firstly, we know that Christ was rich because he's God and he lives in the splendor and majesty of heaven. And yet he, will, he was willing to become poor. He laid aside his place in heaven. That was the first thing he gave up, his place. A place of perfect climate. A place that's never too cold and never too hot. A place that's complete calm. There's no political unrest. Nobody gets hit up about anything. A place where there are perfect citizens, where everyone is polite and focused on what is important, worshipping God. It's a place of continual praise. And because of that, it's a place of perpetual peace. Wow, isn't that a great place to look forward to? Nothing else clouds attention, nothing to cause worry or alarm. Everything focuses on God. So nothing can break that feeling of well-being. You know, everybody talks about well-being just now. Well, this is where you're going to find it. But Jesus, knowing that, 
left it behind. Here's another amazing thing. There are no health issues whatsoever. There are no worries, no cares. The only thing that happens in heaven is we get to worship our Savior. Haven't we enjoyed worship this morning? Imagine that we are going to have that for all eternity. But Jesus laid all that aside for no other reason but love. Love for you and love for me. While we had no thought of him, he loved us. While we were still in sin, he came to earth to the lowest of places so that we could see God. He laid aside his majesty, gave up everything for me so that we could know God. The other thing, he laid aside his place, but he also laid aside his position. If you read again, Philippians 2, 6 and 7, he left the worship of angels who understood who he is and followed his feet day and night. That's his position in heaven. He came to Bethlehem to a stable, you know, and we picture it in our minds sometimes as that real, you know, Christmas card. Um, it's nice and clean and picturesque, but the reality is it was a dirty, cold, smelly place because it was a place for farm animals. But he came there, even at the rejection of the inn. The inn might not have been the best place in the world, but even that he couldn't get into and there was, because there was no room for the Messiah to be born to bring light and hope to people in darkness. He left the glory and splendor of heaven. He gave up his position in heaven. Well, why did he do that? Why did the Savior become poor? Well, simply for your sake. No matter who or what you are or what you have been, look at those who were notified of his birth on that first Christmas day, they are really important because they say something very meaningful. And I look at it and I think, no wonder shepherds must be notified immediately. Men without learning. They were the manual workers of the day. They didn't have status in society. They were the lowest. But then, no wonder the wise men must be guided by a star. Learned men. They had real status. Is it any coincidence that these are the people who are named as being part of the story? Of course not. This is God becoming poor, leaving heaven's position and splendor for every single person. Just a pity there wasn't a woman in there, but we'll not go into that this morning. <laughs> Everything was in the humiliation of Christ. Everything is in that humiliation is because he loves us and he's given himself for us. He left heaven so that we could go to heaven. He was rejected so that we will never be rejected. He was born in a stable so that we could be born of the spirit. He became, he became a servant so that we can become saints. He died so that we can have eternal life. God, Jesus, becoming poor was entirely for your sake and mine. Rich man, poor man. And finally, what does the Savior give to poor sinners to make them rich? Well, you just have to go around and ask most people in here this morning and they'll give you all sorts of different answers. But I'm going to just remind you of some of the riches that Jesus Christ has provided for us to make us rich. And I'm going to do it from scripture. He gives us the gift of salvation. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for it is by grace 
You have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. No one can say it's because of what I did. It's all because Jesus paid the price for our sin. We have redemption assured. We are poor man become rich. He's given us the gift of eternal life. Romans 6 and 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, people work really hard. You work really hard. I have just retired, so I am not going to work very hard now. Um, But you know, people work very hard, and I've worked hard for a long time for wages to buy what we think we need, what we think we want. But in the end, none of us, no matter who we are, no matter how many riches we have, We can't take it with us beyond the grave. Money can't buy eternal life. But Jesus has paid for it all. He's paid for it for us. We are poor man made rich. Third great gift Jesus has provided for us is the gift of his Holy Spirit. Romans 5 and 5 says, And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Hallelujah. We have peace of mind because we know that he loves us and he will never forsake us. So no matter what is going on in our lives, we know that he is for us and we hold on to that. We definitely are poor man, become rich. Fourthly, he's given us the gift of righteousness in Romans five again, but 17 and 18, it says, for if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. Try to read it slow because it's quite, I think it can be a wee bit complicated, but actually all it's saying is that God has done it for us. We, Adam sinned and we all fell into sin and Jesus has come and paid the price. Adam lost it, but Christ has given it back for us all. Do you know what? I can get it right. I can get it right and that is such a good, good thing to know. I can get it right because God has done it all. Poor man made rich. The fifth thing the Savior gives to poor sinners with no hope of lifting themselves up is the gift of peace. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That is such a great verse for us to hold on to. When times are tough, we are definitely poor man made rich. And finally, although you'll find many more when you, when you go to scripture, um, but this is what the Savior gives to poor sinners who don't deserve anything. He gives us victory over death. 1 Corinthians 15 and 55 to 57 says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no fear of death because of the finished work of Calvary. We can know that we are safe and we will go, when the time comes, we will go straight to heaven. We can stand at a graveside now with full and certain hope of the resurrection from death. 
that we will see our loved one again because Jesus has gifted us victory over death. Poor man made rich. So I want to leave you with two questions this morning, our last Sunday of 2019. The first is, if you haven't already done so, will you take Jesus as savior? He's only got good for you. You know, people in here know that already. He's only got good for you. And the second is, will you receive and live in the rich gifts that he has brought us by being rich man made poor so that we might be poor man made rich? We don't know what 2020 will bring, but we face it with Jesus, who for our sake was made poor so that we could become rich. I pray God's blessing on you all this last Sunday of 2019 that you might understand completely what it is that God has done for us and given us in his son, Jesus Christ. God bless you.